What's up, podcast listeners? So uh, my voice is still a little hoarse, but I didn't want to delay posting this podcast because it's got a ton of great information in it. So the, today's episode is from a presentation given by Mark Evans of the Sasha Group during ECRM's Innovative Tech Program here in Chicago. So he focused on marketing for 2020 and beyond and grabbing the consumer's attention in the places where they're spending their time. And more often than not these days, it's on their phones. So a lot of practical, usable information in this uh, podcast. We know you're going to enjoy it. I work for a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, does anyone know who Gary is? Yes. Cool. Um, so really, we built the Sasha Group about a year ago. It came out of you know, VaynerMedia, Gary built 10 years ago, and Vayner was really built for the Fortune 500, but when you looked at like Gary's kind of user base or the people that he kind of, his peer set, they were people that were outside the Fortune 500. And so essentially we wanted to be able to build a company that was focused on helping businesses that are outside of Fortune 500 to be able to help them grow. So be able to take kind of Gary's thesis of what contemporary marketing looks like and be able to apply it to businesses that weren't spending billions of dollars. Uh, added points, does anyone know what movie that is? There we go, there we go. Point break's gotta be in every presentation I do. Uh, exactly, there's no, there's no other point break, let's be clear. <laughs> um, so I know that uh, dinner's coming up soon, so I will keep this uh, presentation focused. Um, as Joe mentioned, really kind of what I'm, I'm gonna, I'll go through my ambition of this document is to really be able to talk a bit about kind of where the consumer mindset is, the importance of building a brand, and the way to be able to help tell that brand story. So, attention. We used to have a slide within the world of Vayner that said attention is the only thing that matters. Um, and it certainly is quite important. So as Joe mentioned, this is where attention is. If you ever sit down and look up how many times you pick up your phone over the course of a week or your screen time, it often depresses me, uh, but that is the reality. I think I'm like 185 pickups a week or something of the sort. Uh, and so it, it's, it's it. going to be, be depressing. But really kind of when you think about the marketplace or a consumer kind of landscape, we've really kind of evolved a bit or, 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 or shifted from like this lean back mentality to be able to lean in. I'm not saying a TV is going away at all. It's about really understanding where attention is. And so when I speak about that, here's an a, a example. So this was a study that Facebook did. It was a launch of a, of a premiere show on, on cable. And really what they looked at was activity during the show. So when you look at these lighter blue ones, that's during the show of, of basically it was about a million, <coughs> million people uh, they, they surveyed. So lighter during the show, the darker ones during the commercial times. So when you look at it, you have close to 250,000 people during some of these ad breaks on their phone. So if I'm an advertiser and I've spent a lot on TV spots, I'm gonna be really unhappy when I think about the fact that no one was really paying attention to my stuff. And that's really kind of a key thing to be able to think about of the multitasking that goes on and kind of how people are looking at you know, their phones uh, during these types of environments. So understanding attention. Last year was really a massive year and change in the digital landscape. I spent my career in digital and I was really stoked when this came out because it was my opportunity to say fuck you to everyone who worked in the TV space. Because last year was the first year that time spent with phone surpassed time spent on with television. So 
right now, what they kind of, when they did the study, what they really found was people were spending about almost three hours really within apps. And that was within kind of the world of social, then kind of Spotify, Pandora, et cetera. Um, so really being able to spend a, a large amount of time there and then a small portion of that within kind of mobile browser. And so what you really see is like you start to see this massive scale taking off. Um, you obviously have the established ones and then the Facebook and Instagrams of the world and the, and the YouTube with you know, the Pinterest and, and TikTok all starting to kind of rise up. And I'll talk more about platforms uh, shortly. And what you're also seeing then is basically you know, this, this growth happening. So YouTube, Instagram really starting to be able to grow with Twitch, Pinterest, while lower volume continuing to grow. Um, and then from a, you know, Facebook continues to decline a little bit, but they're still kind of king of, king of the hill. And then when you think about it, advertisers continue to notice. If you've invested in Google or Facebook over the last 10 years, you're a pretty happy person. Um, the spend within these platforms has grown substantially because advertisers really understand the importance of people where they're, they're spending their time and the ability to be able to connect with them. When you even look at the consumer electronics space, uh, 12.25 forecasted billion for this year in terms of digital ad spending in the consumer electronics space. And that only, that's only 8% of the total spend that goes on across all uh, consumer goods. So a, a pretty large number, and that's only a small fraction of what companies are spending overall within the digital space. So tons of scale. How do you think about starting to be able to connect with your audiences and really kind of thinking through a, a kind of a thoughtful formula? First part, really taking a human-centric approach. I think you know, oftentimes people talk about you know, brand, you know, uh, digital can, allows brands to humanize themselves. And that thing really is true. You can be able to really connect with audiences in, in a, an impactful and thoughtful way. But more importantly, being able to like, connect with them in an emotional way. Emotions are what make us oftentimes buy things, share things, etc. So being able to you know, understand what those emotional drivers are for your audiences and being able to use the kind of connect and use them. Next, I talked a bit about this already, about attention. So where are they spending their time? Not everybody's spending all their time on Facebook. Obviously, millennials popping them on TikTok. Twitter has been up at kind of a roller coaster over the years. But really understanding where they're spending their time. Second, really understanding addressability. So relevance is the holy grail for marketing. So when you think about Google, Facebook, Amazon, they have a tremendous amount of data on us. And that allows us to, as marketers to be relevant because we can be able to target specific audiences with specific messages to be able to drive hopefully much more relevant messages. And then finally, arbitrage. So it's more importantly than just attention, it's underpriced attention. When you think about a lot of the platforms when they first started coming out, they were tremendously underpriced. Gary used to buy the keyword wine for 10 cents on Google. Like that's crazy town USA. Um, you continue to kind of understand where your audience is and where you can be able to potentially leverage uh, platforms <coughs> underpriced versus other types of media. Next, really understanding culture. So what sort of lenses you can be able to put your messages through to be able to best connect with audiences. Um, you know, influencers over the past you know, five, six years at least have been a, a tool that a lot of uh, companies have used to be able to help tell their story through a different lens. Um, it's not something that I 
recommend tremendously right now. It's not as much of a, a, a fruitful game as it once was in terms of the spend and the investment and the return there. But when you start looking at things like nostalgia continues to be a massive play for so many brands. Uh, being able to look at seasonality, whether you have uh, audiences that are big into sports at different times of the year, or regional dialect. Uh, we used to do a thing for Captain Morgan where we would look around different parts of the country of how they explain going to the shore or going to a lake and different phrases they used and being able to tie that into how we uh, wrote posts and content. Um, so really being able to understand those trends, those tastes, to be able to help uh, define a lens to be able to tell your story. And finally, empathy. So really being able to understand your audience and taking the time to be genuine and authentic with them. Um, brands can get absolutely roasted for the ones that go out there and can come off self-centered or, or kind of unresponsive to their audiences. I oftentimes look at uh, airlines and look at their customer service on Twitter to be able to really judge how good they are, really understanding when I'm stuck somewhere and miss the connecting flight, how they can be able to help me out. So, the power of brand. Oh, this mic is on. <laughs> so, Gary has a great quote that I love. If you actually build a brand, you'll outsell any salesman any day of the week. Um, and this is coming from a guy that I always consider as a salesman. Uh, but it, it really is, when you think about great brands, they, they truly kind of command a premium. They've been able to build value with their audience through their messaging, their story, not just selling them a product. And when you think about kind of the experiences, like think about like Apple and Nike, like they've been able to like build a connection with so many uh, people. And you know, many times there's plenty of Apple products that aren't as good as another product, but you'll have people that will go and die for them. The same thing with Nike, when you think about the experience that Nike brings, the kind of storytelling that they do, it's like you cry watching Nike ads because you'll connect with what someone's going through. Um, so these brands have really been able to like connect, and, and that's the big thing. Is like they're not selling to you. Like that's the thing. Like I don't feel like Nike ever sells to me. Like they put out this aspirational kind of storyline that I'm like, shit, I want to be a part of that. And that's like the power. Like it taps into that irrational kind of emotional side of things versus like, should I be spending two fifty on Vaporfly Max shoes? Probably not. But you know what? Like, a guy ran a sub two hour marathon in him, I'm gonna go for it. Um, so it's, it's about that. And that's the, the thing when you start looking at strong brands. Strong brands have a strong community. And that's a really massive point of difference. When you have people that truly embrace you um, and will defend you. So I think about like a lot of, you know, in terms of like reviews, for instance, um, especially in the consumer electronics space, like reviews are a massive part. And being able to get quality reviews and being able to use them as storytelling devices um, it is, it is truly kind of uh, important and really allows you to be able to have that competitive advantage. It's not just you as a brand saying something, it's being able to have you know, leveraged people on your behalf to be able to do so. And when I'm talking about brand, it's not just a logo or, or one facet, it's truly thinking about everything in a, in a comprehensive way. So being able to think about everything from your marketing to your customer service to the people you hire, um, really being able to have a clear understanding of what is your company's vision, your, your goals, and how are you gonna accomplish it. And then being able to seamlessly tell that story through these different elements. Um, you know, I think customer service is one of the most overlooked 
components of brands and one of the most important ones. Um, when you call customer service, you want to be able to have something, you know, getting an answer, but in a way that feels aligned with what you've bought into. So really kind of some key boxes to check when you're thinking about uh, building a brand. First, really having that clear vision, mission, and values. What do you want to accomplish as a company? Too often, in a lot of the businesses I speak with, like that one's never done, and I have a lot of guys just go talking in circles. Um, so being able to have that strong foundation is paramount. Um, next, really being able to understand where you're standing in your against your competition. So understanding the points of parity in your category and what are the points of difference. Um, and then being able to develop a foundational language around those points of difference um, and then really being able to inject it into your bloodstream. Like there's so much language and vocabulary that exists within the Vayner world that it's like kind of comical in terms of like everybody knows certain scripted things of how we describe stuff because it's, it's been really, it's what we kind of know and been taught over and over again. And then finally, bringing, bringing value in marketing communications. It's not always about sell, 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 sell. It's about how do you kind of think about the top of the funnel, being able to bring value. You know, it's, it's funny. I want to say the fall Patagonia catalog, they until page 29, they actually didn't sell product. It was all stories about backpacking, ice climbing, all sorts of like things that were so in line with their brand and they didn't have a single product sell until that far into the catalog. And that's the thing when I look at like a really powerful brand, is like they're not insecure, they know how to be able to storytell, and as a user, like that's something that's a piece of, of content that, that resides you know, oftentimes around my house much longer because of that value it brings. And the thing is too, it's, not, it's, it's definitely a long game. You're not gonna see brand building happen one of the big things, you know, when I think about smaller companies that really act as a, um, not a silver bullet, but a massive point of difference, is being able to tell the story from a founder level. Um, and being able to kind of talk about kind of personal branding. Um, what do you want to be known for, you know? And, and, and being able to figure out how to tell that story in an articulate way to be able to help, you know, sell your brand. And there's two kind of components when you think about it. First, around the, the mindset. Um, when I talk with, with CEOs and founders about how to be able to build their company, you know, one of the first things they say to them is like, you're a human being. You're gonna make mistakes. You also don't have time. You know, you're a CEO or you're a senior member of the company. Like, understand like there's gonna be challenges there. Um, also understand that you need to be able to commit a, a degree of, of being able to execute this. So right, having that right mindset but then the other side, being able to be able to build a machine. Like, how can you be able to do something that really creates impact and actually your storytelling? And so, one of the models that I often we often use for a lot of our clients is this whole kind of pyramid model, where we're looking at how do you create hero content and then be able to edit and slice it into multiple pieces and multiple assets, which really allows you, you know, not to have to go out and shoot content every day, but be able to shoot a, you know a week or a month's worth of content from one keynote. So I know Joe does this, you know, Gary you know, is, a, is a massive believer. Gary will go out and shoot one keynote and he'll turn that into the full length keynote. He'll have a bunch of cut downs, he'll have a bunch of reaction gifts, he'll have a bunch of memes, and all of a sudden he has this whole quiver of content from one showing. And so it's figuring out how you're not just sitting there going out and trying to create millions of pieces independently, is how can you be able to take one 
you know, instance and be able to maximize that. So a formula that I, that I use with a lot of kind of founders, uh, oftentimes when thinking about their personal brand, is be able to first talk to them about like, what are you looking to achieve from building a personal brand? Like what are your objectives, what are your goals, how is this gonna help your company? And then next, being able to understand the story. So from your, you know, growing up through middle school, high school, college, you know, first jobs or whatever, what are the things that really impacted you within your story and potentially has led you down certain paths? Strengths and weaknesses. <coughs> many people don't like seeing themselves on video or many people don't like their voice. Um, so you figure out what's the best way to be able to storytell, whether it's writing long form medium articles, whether it's doing podcasts, video, whatever the case may be. You kind of figure out you know, what's the best way to communicate and something you're gonna actually stick with. And really you take these three and be able to build out kind of pillar content. So what are key thematics that you want to be able to focus on that's going to be able to help deliver against your objectives? So we'll be talking a bit now about content. We often say we're practical creators, not romantic creators. People too often fall in love with subjectivity uh, and their own artwork versus realizing that you need to be able to sell stuff with content. We're exposed to a ton of images and ads daily. The job of good marketing creativity is to make someone care out of those thousands and thousands of ads you're seeing a day. And content competes with everything from your grandmother's post on Facebook to Netflix to friends going, you know, doing things, whatever the case may be. There's a lot, a lot of challenges out there for brands when they're thinking about marketing. And so that kind of really leads us to like what is making you know, good content these days. And so first, when we think about content, there's often kind of the thumb-stopping content that exists out there. So you're scrolling through something and stop. But on the other side of things, we're also spending three, four, five hours watching Netflix. So you have these two ends of the spectrum when you start thinking about content in terms of kind of this quick form content and this longer form content. And so when we think about it, it kind of really allows us to design for two modes of content or consumption. Skim, which is kind of these entry points into your content, and then this much more deeper dive. And so when we're measuring that, we're thinking about they stop in the feed, and how much time did they spend? So when you start talking, thinking about skimming, it's really a lot about grabbing attention. What are the quick things we can be able to do to get you to stop? When you think about that feed, there's a lot going on in that feed. How can you be able to take advantage of imagery, framing, um, you know, any sort of visual, um, or things like, you know, are there points that are completely polar opposite of what's being said in the category? How can you kind of shock and awe someone? So really being able to figure out what are those quick devices that's gonna make you stop. Um, it recently, uh, I think this past week, for our own handles, one of our uh, creative guys posted a piece of content and he opened it up which he's like, going stop and making these kind of hand movements and literally when you, you it really caught your eye. Um, and that was a quick way to be able to, to, to lead it. But the big thing is it's like, it's important to be kind of a practitioner understanding trends are always changing. So when you think about 2016, when Facebook really started speaking to the importance of kind of sound off environment, you know, throwing captions early on, like nobody was doing that. Um, it was super important. 
now in 2020, like this is table stakes. Like everybody has captions on there. So it's really being able to keep a mindful eye around where the, the platforms are going and understanding what is going to actually stop someone versus what is considered kind of just the basic you know, entry point in. And every platform is really different. So when you think about platforms and kind of the spectrum around intent, to the left, you know, when you're kind of screwing around, you know, you have the, you know, Snapchat, uh, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. To the right, much more of like, hey, I'm gonna go do a Google search because I wanna be able to go buy a pair of headphones. Um, and so really being able to understand that mindset and how you need to be able to market for it. To further dramatize that, it's like, Let's just say the platforms were, were throwing a party and, and what their roles would look like in that whole you know, made up example. It's like Pinterest plans the party. So when you think about you know, what Pinterest is really good at, it's about you know, planning and being able to do kind of think it through the aspirational things. Facebook, a great connector of people. Um, Google, how are you gonna get to that party? Twitter is really kind of talking and chirping around that party. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of going on. Instagram is really putting together the highlights and the kind of like best of. Uh, YouTube is that kind of uh, long, uh, long form vlog after the party. Snapchat is a gossip queen. Um, LinkedIn, everybody has got people in the corner talking about work. And then finally, TikTok, TikTok brings the karaoke machine and the inside jokes and are the cool kids. So you start really making sure that you understand the behaviors of these platforms so that when you think about how you can market on them, it becomes all genuine and authentic versus something that stands out incorrectly. So getting into kind of dive, you know, we often talk about um, the best brands out there think like media companies that happen to sell something. Um, so really, you know, the, some of the best brands are definitely, they're publishers first. And when you start thinking about really good content, there's three kind of circles we think about. There's knowing yourself as a company or as a brand knowing your audience and knowing what's happening and then being able to figure out how you find that that sweet spot in the center there because when you do that it makes it much more relatable because you're making this much more about us so you're being able to say like i understand what's going on right now i understand what's important to you what role we play and what's going on in kind of today's culture so being able to mash those up allow you to be able to tell a story it's hopefully going to have much more impact and connection with your audience. So, looking at some like content examples uh, from the kind of the consumer electronics space, first one. This is one that, that people talk about a lot, but I continue to be impressed about the year over year how they do a fantastic job. Is in GoPro. GoPro really leverages user um, submitted content tremendously. So, like on their website, they have a whole submission around there for for user generated content. Whether it's video, whether it's still imagery, they bring together like a very the end use of their devices, and it really provides this like, holy shit, these are beautiful shots. Like I want to be able to do that. Beats by Dre, another company that's has done tremendous, uh, I think, level of, of smart marketing. They use Instagram in a really smart way. So they obviously have a lot of influencers bringing to life, you know, their brand or their products in a smart manner. But what they're even smarter about is everything in here is tagged so you can be able to shop on Instagram. 
So each one of these products are always tagged, so you can be able to buy them right there. And so they're really tying into like the impulsive nature of you seeing this and being like, those are amazing headphones, I'm gonna get them right now. And being able to click and being able to buy that within Instagram. So being able to really look at both top of funnel through conversion in a smart manner. Next Fitbit. You know, people often forget about the importance, you know, I talk about customer service and support, but putting out really smart support content is incredibly useful. So it's not just about customer service, but it's about informing your audience about, you know, for instance, Fitbit has it around like software and setup. So how can you proactively put out content to be able to enhance their overall experience and hopefully reduce the amount of people saying, I can't figure out how to use this or whatever, or negativity. Being able to proactively create this channel, and this is the thing that's also very smart, Twitter is the best channel in the world to be able to do customer service. Like I don't recommend Twitter for a lot of other things. I think Twitter is the best one-to-one -one machine out there and customer service stuff is, when done right, it's, it's the best platform out there. But they're super smart in terms of proactively pushing out content, but also being able to respond and connect with people and have dedicated individuals that are focusing on answering that. So some key tips to really think about when producing content. Um, one, you know, really being able to think about quality. And you know, we're big believers, don't allow yourself to get you know, perfection paralysis. Don't sit there and scrutinize, over-scrutinize something. It's important to be able to you know, get content out there, but don't just put out junk. You know, it, it, it's not gonna really help you from a long-term perspective. Um, it's important also, once again, we have a lot going on in our lives. How can you be able to scale it? And so a lot of you know, what it's important to think about is like, how can you templatize certain things that you're doing to be able to create repeatable processes that's allowing you to be able to get a high output of creative out there in a quality way. Um, you know, as long as your intent is, is, is you know, you're focused on being on the right side of history, bad content is, can be forgotten. Um, cadence, really important, you know, figure out a post posting schedule. It's changed tremendously, you know. Organic content right now, I don't recommend for a lot of, a lot of companies. When you think about organic content, or I'd say it's paid and organic. Paid is much more acquisition, organic, you're reaching a fraction of your kind of believers. So I, I'm, I usually recommend our clients, don't spend a tremendous amount on organic, either reach-wise. The best platforms right now for reach are TikTok, LinkedIn, and Twitter uh, for organic. The rest of the platforms are so squashed in terms of what you're getting for reach that it, the creation of content doesn't make a tremendous amount of sense. And then it's a long game. I've used long game a few times, but it is true. None of this stuff is overnight success. It's about really being able to build a rigor and be able to build commitment and also being able to test and see what your audience is like. They're a fickle bunch. Um, you always have new stories to tell. Um, you know, how can you be able to continue to evolve in your brand story? When looking at the platforms, how do you maximize this platform? Um, you know, Facebook and Instagram, great ad platforms right now. Fantastic data. Um, it's important to, to use those. Instagram, Instagram stories is the best place to be putting out content right now organically and being able to buy paid. Uh, YouTube, think about it as Google. Everything is easily searchable in there. Being able to build out a library of content is really paramount. Think about your, your content in ways of everything from big advertising to super you know, utilitarian how-to videos and being able to have it easily searchable. Twitter, timely, 
conversations. You know, Twitter doesn't even classify itself as a social platform in the App Store. It's listed as a news source. Um, and so really, you know, it's a great opportunity to be able to take advantage of what's going on in the zeitgeist. Additionally, it's a great, we call it you know, surprise and delight or S&D. Uh, we often, for a lot of our clients, have you know, gone out and you find audiences that are really loyal to the brands and being able to award them or, or gift them small things through, via Twitter um, that you should go crazy about. Uh, and LinkedIn, LinkedIn continues to be a platform that I get more and more impressed on. Their ad platform isn't where I want it to be yet. It's a little more expensive than I would like. Um, but when you look at the feed and the amount of reach you can be able to get there right now and the amount of time people are starting to spend there, it's a, a worthwhile platform to consider. So wrapping it up, it didn't pay attention to me at all for the last 20 minutes or 30 minutes. I'm gonna sum it up for you very quickly. One, understand where your audience is spending time. That's really paramount. Audiences spend time in different places. First, understand where they're spending their time. Two, build a brand. It will pay off in the long term. You don't wanna be chasing dollars for the rest of your life, figuring out how you can be able to tell a story and build true commitment and not have to simply commodity and three, being able to understand those platforms and be able to figure out how you can be able to design content that comes off as user first and, make, and connects with audiences. Um, it's not just about take one piece of content and shoot it across all your platforms. It's about understanding the nuances of those platforms and designing accordingly. And that's it.